0: It is Wednesday, September 30th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. Jaguars Happy Hour is presented by the Fields Auto Group. And now, full-time show host, part-time snake charmer, J.P.
1: Shadrick! It's another long story from the Mini-Buy Weekend. Working in the yard in Florida, you you find some things that you don't need to be finding. Welcome in Jaguars happy hour presented by the Fields Auto Group. J.P. Shadrick. We'll get to Bucky Brooks and John Osier coming up. Here's what's on the show today, Jags Bengals preview week four. It's on to Cincinnati for the Jacksonville Jaguars coming off back to back losses trying to get right with a a favorable stretch coming up. But with this team, it's week to week, as Doug Marone said, we're 0-0. Heading into Cincinnati, pass rush, well this would be the week to get it cranked up against the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line, but it's a little more than just the front four, we'll get into that, offense is looking for consistency, certainly from the quarterback, maybe they could run the ball a little more effectively, a little more often if they're closer in the football game, the uniform unveiling as usual, Jimmy Luck joins us the head equipment manager for the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll get a scouts view from Thursday night, or uh, excuse me, on Monday night, a great quarterback matchup, and we'll pick our big game Jaguar for week four in Cincinnati. Bucky Brooks joins us from Los Angeles. John Osier joins us from Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, Bucky, here we are going into week four into Cincinnati. Are you ready?
2: I am ready. It's a big week. Must win this week. Must win for the Jaguars this week, JP.
1: A must-win oh, in Week Four, John. Oh, wow.
3: Must-win. Yeah.
1: Okay,
3: must yeah. okay. If they lose, the next week's a must-win. You just got crap, <laughs> Buck. You got crap. Wow,
1: Bucky throwing down the gauntlet early in the season. It is a big football game. You know that John agrees now. Okay, it is a must-win. <laughs> they got to get this one. They get back on track for sure. Um, let Let's start. On the defensive side, shall we? Another slow start, let's say, for the Jaguars' defense last week. They gave up three straight touchdown drives to start the game, and they were long, sustained drives. You know, is it, is it Bucky, is it just playing better early in the game? Is, it, is there anything else to starting better on the defensive side than just that?
2: I mean, yeah, they got to come out of the gate fast. And I don't really know the recipe. We've talked about it a few different times on the postgame show, how maybe they have to simplify. Maybe they need to figure out what are the best calls for this defense, call those plays early in the game until they settle in. But I believe like last Thursday against the Dolphins, they just didn't come with the right energy to start the game out with. And I don't know if some of that is intrinsically motivated or if it's something where coaches got to kind of push them and urge them a little bit. But they have to come and play like their hair is on fire right from the jump. This is a game that they have to have. They need to get back on track, get a win in the column. And so the defense needs to play much better, and they need to play better from the first quarter on.
1: Yeah, how do you jumpstart that, John?
3: Well, again, if I knew, I'd be over there in Tier 1 and not over here in Tier 8. So they're not letting me near that. But – um I wondered the other night if they came out sort of with their hair on fire against Tennessee defensively and were jumping all over Derrick Henry and they got thrown over. I wondered the other night after sort of sitting back and looking at it if maybe the opposite was true, not that they weren't excited, but that, hey, we don't want to jump on things too fast. We want to have good eyes. We want to make sure we know where we're going. And it's sort of looked passive. I don't think anybody comes out on Thursday night wanting to be passive. But I wonder if there wasn't some thinking too much, some, whoa, we can't commit to this big play or this play because we'll get beat deep. Again, that's just a theory. I don't know. They play okay after the first quarter. 35 points of their 82 points have been in the first quarter. They've just got to figure out how to get to that early because you're playing uphill way too much it affects everything we'll talk about that more during the show
1: yeah and you know Fitzpatrick managed the game nothing long it had a, a Minshew feel from week one really not a lot of nothing really deep down the field uh, spread it out to guys that can make plays and and they just kind of marched down the field those three drives to start the game you know the, the there's a little conversation this week Bucky and about them about Doug Marone maybe changing his philosophy to jumpstart things if they win the toss and take the ball first offensively to kind of, you know, give the defense a chance to, to work with a lead at some point, maybe if they can get the ball down the field. Uh, you know, you hate to come off a philosophy like that, though, if, you're, if you believe in getting that last drive before halftime and then the one starting the second half. Uh, of course, it, it might not matter if the Bengals win the toss, they'll, they'll take the ball first to put the Jags defense out there.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that I think you have to have that conversation with your coaching staff to see if it would be better for the Jacks to take the kick if they win the toss and see if they can kind of put the other team in a hole. I think regardless of how it plays out, whether you win the toss or lose the toss, when the defense steps onto the field, they have to be in a better position, a better frame of mind when it comes to being ready to play. And so that's on Ty Wash, that's on all the position coaches to get those guys ready. And really, it's on the players. The players have to start playing with a sense of urgency from the moment the game and the ball is kicked off. We have to see more effort, more energy, and better execution for them to kind of get the start that we need to see them have.
1: John, so you got to change something, though, right, if the, the results are the same.
3: Well, I guess. I'm not bi- I get that Doug is thinking about deferring, and that's fine. He needs to think about something, all that. This is a little bit on the offense, too. I get that the defense has been giving up the points early, but the offense has yet to score a touchdown or a field goal on either their first three drives. They haven't looked as bad. There's been a couple of reasons. You had the Linder penalty in game one. You had an interception that really wasn't anybody's fault in game two. But if you say you defer, or uh, say you take the ball. Okay, take the ball, and then... Get to the fifty, punt, and they go down and score. Well, now you're in a hole, and you're not getting the ball. So both <laughs> sides have to play. Better. Who gets the ball first? Both sides have to play better and get a lead. Yeah, well, it has to, be, offense, has to be a
2: uh, football yeah. effort. They, they have to certainly work in unison to get off to a better start. But the first quarter has been a problem for the Jaguars. They have to rectify that issue.
1: No doubt about that. We'll, we'll delve into the offense a little bit later on Jaguars Happy Hour. Let's continue our defensive talk, though. <laughs> well, th- the Bengals last week gave up eight sacks of Joe Burrow to the Philadelphia Eagles, and Burrow was hit 18 times in that football game. He's been hit 31 times for the season, 14 sacks. That's the most in the NFL. So for a Jaguars defense that has only three sacks this year, Could this be the week where they can get revved up a little bit in the pass rush game? Well, Doug Marone this week has uh, said that, you know, it's, it's really a full defensive issue. It's not the guys up front. A lot of times it's the secondary playing tighter coverage and not giving up the early reads in the progression. So Bucky, you know, Allen's getting close sometimes, but not close enough because the quarterback seems to be getting the ball out quickly.
2: You know, Coach Monroe brings up a great point because it does work together. The rush and the coverage are tied together. When you have great coverage on the back end, it buys extra time for the pass rush to be able to get home. When you have a great pass rush, it enables you to make more plays in the back end. Regardless of how they go about this, they have to take away some of the easy completions and throws that Ryan Fitzpatrick was able to complete in week three. And they have to put it on Joe Burrow to make these tightly contested throws down the field. He has been a guy who has been, look, outstanding the last couple weeks. Five touchdowns, averaging over 300 passing yards per game, but he's only one for 16 when it comes to deep ball throws, meaning air yards of 20 or more. And so you know the ball is going to be short. It's going to be a quick rhythm passing game. C.J. Henderson and company, they have to snug up to the wide receivers, take those guys away, don't give them the layups, and then Caleb on Josh Allen, someone has to be able to get home and put some hits on Joe Burrow.
1: Yeah, because if Joe Burrow is good it, with pressure, imagine, John, how good he could be without pressure.
3: Yeah, I thought Doug's point this morning talking about this sort of set it all. When your quarterback is able to throw on, your, on his first read or even quickly on his second, very few pass rushers, no matter how good they are, and I do believe Josh Allen's good. But very few pass rushes are going to get home in that regard. Uh, the coverage—we've said it since day one—it's an incredibly young secondary. Trey Herndon is barely into his second full year playing. Henderson's a rookie. You've got—I'm I'm sure—who's starting at free safety anymore? So it's—they've uh, got to cover tighter, as Bucky said. I don't even know if it's necessarily blitzing is the answer. Maybe it's confusing coverages doing something to confuse Burrow into holding the ball for a second because, uh, look, he's very capable. He can eat you alive just like uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick did. They've got to cover better to let this pass rush get home because the pass rush is not going to be great this year. There's not enough good pass rushes up front to be great. Yeah,
1: I feel like they they blitzed a little more last week. Marone said that after the game that, yeah, we blitzed more on first and second and third down. We brought a little more pressure uh, than we have in the first two weeks, but it, it's much more than just, just blitzing. And, of course, as we've talked about, Bucky, if you bring extra guys, that puts more pressure on that inexperienced secondary.
2: It does put a lot of pressure on those guys. And I'm going to say this. C.J. Henderson did not have a great game against the Miami Dolphins, one of the worst games that we've seen him have through three games. I mean, it was the worst game that he played. He, he didn't match up. He lacked a little focus, had PI penalties, lost his man, failed a touchdown, Jakeem Grant, uh, got lost in coverage a little bit. I would expect that he is more dialed in and focused this week. And I think um, if he is at a better level, then I think it potentially could give Ty Watch some options in terms of how they defend the Cincinnati Bengals offense. A.J. Green is the name player, but Tyler Boyd is the number one receiver. Right now, he is the more consistent, the more dynamic, the more explosive player. So at some point, the Jaguars have to figure out a way to take him away. And also, they got to find a way to make sure that they contain T. Higgins, the young rookie, who is also showing up in big moments.
1: John, the last time we saw A.J. Green, that was 2017. He did not play in last year's meeting. He missed the season with an ankle injury. And the last time we saw him, he was getting ejected with with fighting with Jalen Ramsey here in Jacksonville.
3: Yeah, it was quite a scene. And uh, you know, it, it, it's so much different now that it, it almost doesn't even feel like a storyline, because Jalen's not here. And uh, you know, I get that A.J. Green doesn't feel like he's the same guy that he was in his, quote, "prime," but he's certainly uh, dangerous enough to be the storyline on, on Sunday. This is a very dangerous I don't think the Bengals have big skill position names. But they have good skill position players. And what really scares you about this game, Burrow's going to win in this season eventually. And I think he's going to win more than one or two. Uh, The Jaguars need to really hope this is not his breakout game. Disrupt him somehow, be it odd coverages, something in the back, or an occasional blitz or two. Because this is dangerous. This is not one that the Jaguars, quote, should win.
1: Yeah, and especially if, uh, Bucky, if they get the the running game going, Joe Mixon hasn't really awoken yet this season. He has the big contract that he signed in the offseason, but uh, he is certainly capable of doing things on the ground for this offense to balance things out for Burrow.
2: Yeah, he absolutely is very capable of being able to do it. Some would say that he's a top-five running back. He hasn't put up the numbers this year, but you know he is due for a breakout game at some point. Big, fast, and physical, can take it to the edge as a runner outstanding route runner out of the backfield. So he's a nightmare. He's a handful. The big thing, because he is the guy that can alleviate some of the pressure on Joe Burrow, I think the Jaguars have to play close attention to him. They can't let the running game get going and let Burrow throw comfortably from the pocket. This has to be a game where they make the opponent, they make the Bengals one-dimensional.
1: We'll find out. We'll see if the Jaguars can, can bounce back this week. Tough task against the number one overall draft pick Joe Burrow playing well. The Bengals 0-2-1 to start the season though. Uh, Let's come back in a moment. We'll flip it around to the Jaguars offense and look at their performance from last Thursday night and how they match up against the Bengals defense this year. Last year, remember, the Jaguars went over 200 rushing yards in Cincinnati. Farah and Farah reminds you to continue to wear a mask. Help prevent the spread of COVID-19. Farah and Farah protecting you and your family since 1979. We're off and running on a Wednesday. It's Jaguars Happy Hour presented by the Fields Auto Group on the Jaguars Digital Network.
4: You can step up to luxury now. Hello, I'm Dan Fields.
0: Jaguars fans, game day is back. And this year we've teamed up with Jameson to add another win to your week with official Jaguars and Jameson branded collectible stadium cups. They're only available for a limited time in the Jacksonville metro area. So grab yours today, pour a smooth Jameson, ginger and lime, and cheer on the Jags with Jameson. Taste responsibly. Jameson Irish Whiskey, 40% alcohol by volume, 80 proof, product of Ireland, copyright 2020, imported by John Jameson Import Company, New York, New York. change without notice. Equal housing opportunity.
1: Welcome back. Jaguars happy hour on a Wednesday presented by the Fields Auto Group. The Jaguars launched an organization-wide commitment to voter education organized by players and coaches and designed to encourage fans to get in the game with a call for civic engagement. The Jags are calling for fans in Florida to register to vote. By the October 5th deadline, and today is the last day of September. September 30th today, it's right around the corner. Visit jaguars.com slash vote as a resource for voter registration and key deadlines. J.P. Shadrick, John Osher in Jacksonville at our home studios. Bucky Brooks out in Los Angeles, California. Now Let's get to this Jaguars offense. Uh, James Robinson has the most scrimmage yards for an undrafted player through three games in league history, 339 yards. That's a pretty remarkable statistic. I think, John, they'd love to get the running game going, but it's difficult to uh, get it going consistently when you're down by a couple of scores, especially later in the game. They, gotta, gotta, they have to go away from it, and Jay Gruden said today that he may have come off it a little early last week, but uh, when you're down two scores, you've got to do what you have to do to try to get back in the game. But they, I think they'd like to run the football a little bit more.
3: Yeah, I kind of get what Jay was saying today. He, he kind of you know, fell on the sword a little bit and said, hey, I should have called more runs. I got two pass happy. At the same time, you're down 21-7, 14 nothing, and then you fall down 28-7 to after the sack. Uh, maybe he could have mixed in one or two more, but they were at the point where they needed to push the ball downfield. The game was getting away from them. Yes, James Robinson, as Gruden said today, has been, maybe the best player offensively through the first three games, but no matter how much the offensive coordinator wants to commit to the run, when you're down 14, even if you run okay, it's not going to have the effect you want. Defenses are giving that to you. You've got to stay even realistically to make the running game a long-term thing that you can depend on.
1: Bucky, they had success up there last year running the football. Obviously different different players involved in that game, but – Um, What does the matchup look like this week against the the Bengals defense on the ground? Well, I mean, I think they can have
2: success on the ground. I think the big thing is James Robinson has to be a central part of the game plan. He has already established himself as one of the go-to players on this offense, be it as a runner and as a receiver. He has to touch the ball, and he needs to touch it 20 or more times. Uh, DJ Chark coming back would certainly help that, but with James Robinson being a factor particularly on the ground, It takes the ball out of Garner Minshew's hands. He doesn't have to do so much that he's been able, he's been trying to do, I think, too much uh, very early in the year. So if he can be established, they can get a ground game going, also bring some of the other playmakers into the mix. And look, Chris Conley has to play better. He can't have two critical jobs that hurt them. And so if they can get that going, they certainly can
1: be an offense that gives the Cincinnati Bengals problem. It sounds like D.J. Chark will be back in the fold this week, John, which is uh, good news. And I found it interesting that the Gruden said that they didn't find out until Wednesday late afternoon that Chark would not be available on Thursday night football. So the game plan's already in. They had to kind of roll with it. And, you know, they couldn't really change a lot of what they were trying to do offensively that they had planned with Chark possibly playing in that game. But they just kind of had to roll with it. He's the best one-on-one player they have outside.
3: Yeah, you're in a tough spot on Thursday night anyway. And that's a little bit of an unusual situation that it goes, you know, that long. Uh, You wonder if maybe they shouldn't have just said, "Okay, we're assuming he's not going to be in. But it didn't feel that way all week. It didn't really feel like one of those things. You know, I wrote a couple of times since that game. If DJ isn't a number one, like elite league guy in that in that regard, he's he's pretty close to it and he sure turned into it for this team. He's the only receiver they have right now, because LaVisca Chenault isn't at this level yet. He's the only guy that really draws defenders to him. He's the only guy that makes coordinators defend him in a certain way, which helps everybody else, including the quarterback. He's that guy they look to for big plays and to get other people big plays. Without him, it's not there. So uh, if there's a list of guys you can't afford to lose on this Jaguars team, he's maybe at the top of the list right along with Josh Allen. Yeah,
1: what he brings to the table, Bucky, is is that ability to, to open things up for everybody else.
2: He absolutely does open things up. He's an unusual number one receiver, meaning he's a guy that can handle all the responsibilities of being the designated chain mover, but also has the vertical stretch playmaking ability. And his speed... Uh, is real, and you feel that, and it changes the way defensive coordinators have to defend the Jaguars offense. So getting him back into the mix, being able to put the ball in his hands a little bit, not only would you create big plays with him making plays, but he could create opportunities for others. It's very important that he's able to get back on the field because they're going to need to be able to score a couple touchdowns in the passing game to win against Cincinnati.
1: All right. All right. So they got to get Robinson twenty touches at least on the ground. They got to score two touchdowns through the air. That's two. I'm waiting for a couple more from Bucky as this show goes along. But um, that's a lot already for an offense that hasn't been <laughs> consistent so far. Uh, let's get to the quarterback. You mentioned it a moment ago, Bucky. But you know, I asked Gardner today about his pocket presence and how a young quarterback can adjust, learn. Uh, the feel of it. He said he always obviously wants to go through all the progressions and then hightail it out of there if he has to, to get out of the way and make something happen. It doesn't always go that way. Is that a challenge for young quarterbacks to, to feel it, to to learn how to feel it? Or is it something that just comes naturally and how do you work on that?
2: No, I think it's something that you have to work on, but he appears to have like a good feel for when to flee the pocket and when to hang in there. Um, Look, I'm going to chalk up Thursday night to just kind of being an off moment for him because it seemed like he was, he was out of source. He was never really comfortable in the pocket. He appeared to leave the pocket before the pocket completely collapsed. Hopefully, he's been able to look at that. The coaches have gotten together. They've put things in that make him very, very comfortable because he needs to exhibit the kind of poise that we saw very early in the year when we saw him against Indianapolis. and Even Tennessee, he was very comfortable. For whatever reason, he was out of source. He needs to get back to being the guy we saw those first two games because if he plays at the level that he played at the first two games, the Jaguars are more than capable of winning and winning against any opponent.
1: Yeah, John, what would you take away from Gardner's conversation today?
3: Uh, not a lot because really when Gardner talks during the week, <laughs> I think he intentionally doesn't say very much. He's got the image and he, he, he's a great guy. The brand is fantastic. But he's a smart quarterback. He doesn't say very much during conference calls by design. Uh, I think what I've taken away from the last uh, few days and even that game Thursday, you know, the, the zone coverage on him, the soft zone that we all get tired of talking about, you know, it, it's a concern. I don't know that it's, it's a, something he can't overcome, but it's got to be something to watch. It has worked against him before. It worked the other night. doesn't mean you can't overcome it. But until that thing gets passed, until they start beating it consistently, they're going to see more of it. I I don't think it's the death knell for his career or anything like that, but it's got to be an issue until they're better at it, against that.
2: Yeah, it's funny, John, that yeah, you the... brought up that, that, that soft zone. And the reason why it can be hard for young quarterbacks is because it forces you to make window throws. You have to have the confidence and the conviction to throw with timing, touch, and anticipation. And... Early in the game, Garner Minchie was out of source, and so now you don't trust as much. You're a little late. You get drops from Chris Conley and others. You don't trust your wide receivers, and so now you begin to pat the ball, which allows the pass rush to become a bigger factor. And so, yes, when they see it on tape and they see that he is having a tough time being aggressive against that zone, he will continue to see more of it until he can pick it apart.
1: The uh, Bengals' defense, guys, went through an overhaul in this offseason. They threw a lot of money and uh, got some veterans in there. Bucky, what scares you about this Bengals defense?
2: I would say they played pretty well against the Philadelphia Eagles. They had Carson Wentz out of sorts. And the young guys that were playing in the back end, they were doing a really good job. Bates and we saw William Jackson and, and those guys that were keeping the ball in front, they made him uh, turn the ball over a couple of times. And whenever you're dealing with the Cincinnati Bengals, it always starts up front with Geno Atkins. And can you block the guys at the line of scrimmage? And so um, they are a team that is competitive and they're trying to get after it. And they're desperate for winning. Just like the Jaguars might have circled this as, a hey, we can get this one, the Cincinnati Bengals certainly circle this one. And their players are going to bring the energy, particularly on defense, because they think this is a winnable game, especially
1: after walking away with the tie last week. Yeah, they certainly, John, think very highly of Atkins. A lot of people think highly of Atkins. He's a fantastic football player, but he can kind of get things going for that uh, Bengals defense if he's available.
3: Yeah, I'm not sure if he's available or not this week. He's, as my friend Jeff Hobson in Cincinnati, the senior writer for the Bengals, he's probably a first ballot Hall of Famer. So if he's there, you're obviously in trouble. But they're very good off the edge. Carlos Dunlap is, is still very good. They really pressured Carson Wentz in a big way last week. And that was surprising because the Eagles have very, very good tackles. They believe they can pressure the quarterback. And this team believes it's pretty good. They had a chance and probably should have beaten the Eagles last week. They've been close. Uh, This is going to be a tough task for the Jaguars' offensive line. But I believe the Jaguars' offensive line is still its best feature. So um, this will be a game where the Jaguars' offense will be tested. It has the tools. Pass that test if the line plays well against those pass rush. Yeah, funny, how's it? the O
1: line played this year? Yeah, the O line played. Uh, you bring
2: up uh, Carlos Dunlap. The other guy to keep an eye on is Sam Hubbard. Sam Hubbard is a young player that has really kind of come on like gangbusters for them. Very athletic, he has shown up in big moments, and he has the ability to kind of take it over at times. He is someone that you have to monitor because he's found his rhythm, he's found his groove. He's someone that can be very, very disruptive
1: in the backfield. Bucky, the uh, Jags are line up for the challenge. How have they played for you so far?
2: I mean, they've been okay, but they haven't been able to get the game on their terms. Meaning, when you're having to drop back 35, 40 times a game, um, and everyone knows that you're passing, it's hard for them to play. What I would like to see them do is play in what I call a neutral game, where the score is even, the score is close, they're able to run it and pass it. I think that is what they're built for. They're built to be a team that kind of pushes people off the ball. They've been okay, like Garner Minshew hasn't been battered in the pocket much. But I would like to see them get the game on their terms to see if this offensive line can impose their will on the opponent. That would be critical in this game against Cincinnati.
1: See if they can set the tone this week at Paul Brown Stadium. Yes, John.
3: I'm sorry, JP. Ten sacks this year by the Jaguars allowed, right? Nine of them have come with the team trailing. That's not a shock because they've trailed most of the year. They gave up four sacks against Miami. All four came with them down by 14. No offensive line, I mean, no offensive line can withstand always being down. That's why they're giving up sacks. It's not that they're a bad offensive line.
1: Right, and I think they've led for a little over five minutes this season. That's, that's really about it, the, uh, the end of week one's game against the Colts. Uh, let's come back in a moment. It's the uniform unveiling. Jimmy Luck joins us, the head equipment manager for the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll find out what the Jags are going to wear on the road this week in Cincinnati. And the Jags are launching predictive gaming exclusively in the Jaguars mobile app this year. Choose a bingo card, pick your favorite three players, and place wagers to win prizes. Check the games out in the mobile app and check it out right now. We're about halfway home. It's Jaguars happy hour on the Jaguars digital network.
0: You won't find a better deal to keep your ride clean than Scrubbles Flexible Service Car Wash. Start in the tunnel wash and experience
1: state-of-the-art equipment while enjoying a soapy light show. Our quality soaps and solutions keep your vehicle streak-free. Every three-minute car wash package comes with self-serve vacuuming, lint-free towels, window cleaner, and a free air freshener. Visit us at the St. John's Town Center, Fleming Island, and Atlantic Beach. And coming soon to Kernan in Atlantic. Trust the bow tie. You'll know quality once you arrive. Go Jags! Presented by the Fields Auto Group on this Wednesday, J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, John Ogier, the Jags and the Bengals coming up in week four at Paul Brown Stadium in Cincinnati. That music every week means it's time to hear from Jimmy Luck, the head equipment manager for the Jacksonville Jaguars, joining us from TIAA Bank Field after the uh, full teal game. Jimmy, how did it, how did it go down there? With the, oh, We know the result, but what was the response of the full teal?
5: Uh, it was good. I think uh, I think it went over well. Everybody enjoyed the, the teal. Um, of course, not everybody's happy. Everybody wanted teal helmets too. I get beat up on Twitter about that. But uh, but I think it was a good start, though. Uh, it was all in good fun, though. But uh, yeah, now that now that we've kind of got that out of the way, now we can kind of mix and match a few more things. Maybe uh, maybe throw in some black socks with the teal and teal. Um, but for the first one, we wanted to you know go all teal, and that was kind of the the event to a uh, teal out.
1: Uh, Jimmy, how about the, um, you know, this is, is one of those where you'll wear these again, the full teal, or is it just, are you going to mix and match from here on?
5: Uh, as of right now, like we'll, we'll probably, we'll definitely wear teal jerseys again and we'll definitely wear teal pants again. Um, you know, with a, not a favorable outcome, we may not wear that combination again, even though we will wear combinations that we don't win, but, uh, you know, we try to mix it up. Um, so, you know, that's, uh, and if, you know, you get a good feedback from the guys too, like, oh Hey, we're fired up, you know, let's, let's wear teal pants today with the black jerseys. Um, so, you know, we, we'll get some input from the players, but we try to lay it out ahead of time. But, um, you know, if you get a hot combination, Hey, let's keep rolling with it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Jimmy, you said the teal helmets
3: next week. Is that right? Teal helmets (laughs) next week. (laughs) No, not but yet. Got. There's still NFL rules on that. So
5: maybe a couple weeks down the road. Maybe like about 14 weeks down the road. See about it <laughs> for the playoffs. All
3: right. All right. Yeah.
1: You gotta give the people what they want, first. Jimmy. I mean, what do you want? Come on. You gotta <laughs> give them what they want. Um, I had a question. Speaking of league stuff, you know, uh, league rules and all that. I was watching the Bucks Broncos game the other day, and both teams had dark jerseys on. The Broncos had their orange. And the Bucks had that whatever their grayish is. It wasn't the 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 red. It wasn't white. It was like I guess the neutral jersey. Um, is it a, yeah, is uh, it a is there a rule against that?
5: There's not really a rule against it. Uh, most of the time, it just doesn't happen because one team wears dark and one team wears light. Um, there's a few teams. Obviously, the Seahawks and the the new Rams had that kind of light gray as a uh as like an alternate kind of deal and they can wear that as a color or as a uh as a white um i think you know with some of the color rush games a few years ago where you had the uh the red and the green um <laughs> i guess it was <laughs> yeah. the jets and the bills yeah. maybe um you know so there's enough contrast in there obviously they they tv test it so you don't run into the like the colorblind stuff um but yeah, no, I I think you'll start seeing more of that, especially when there is enough contrast like that. Um, you know, like if I'm trying to think, you know, if if our if we had more of a dolphins teal that was a little lighter, we might could pull that off against some teams. But um, for the most part, our teal is considered a dark.
2: Jimmy, I have, okay. I have a question. How how's everything going with the helmets? Because there was a lot made about the shields, uh, the the face shields over the eyes and then over the mouth. What has been the response from the players now that we've had a couple games?
5: Um, we don't have a lot of guys wearing it. Um, I know DJ Chark has uh, off and on been with it. Keelan Cole has been pretty steady with it. Um, other than that, we hadn't had a whole lot of guys wear it very often. We had a bunch of guys try it early. Um, with it, with early trying it, you know, it was during training camp. It's still pretty hot here. So it didn't get a great... Um, You know, guys just kind of got all kind of paranoid about it, getting too hot. Um, We even have guys have a hard time wearing visors here just because it's so hot and humid early in the year. So, um, you know, obviously with some of the events that happened this past weekend, maybe there'll be an uptick. uh, Temperature's cooling off a little bit. So you might see a few more, uh, but we just and from talking to other people around the league, you just hadn't had a huge traction in it. Um, You know, it's something different that close to your face. You know, some guys think it, it throws them off, but, um, you know, that's that's something that they just have to decide on their own if they want to do it or not.
1: Interesting. Yeah. And yeah, it's a good point, Jimmy, about what happened with the Titans and, and how uh, those results might affect the way guys approach week to week their uh, helmet combination. So. Uh, let's get to it. The start of back-to-back road games coming up. The Jags this week are facing the Cincinnati Bengals at Paul Brown Stadium in Cincinnati. Jimmy Luck, what will the Jaguars wear this Sunday?
5: All right, so we're going with the white, uh, the white jerseys, got a little uh, Tyler Eifert there, kind of going back to where he came from. So uh, we got the white jerseys and then we will go with the white pants. So, like I said a minute ago, you know, we we uh, we won in that. So, let's try to run it back, get some good mojo back and get that going. And then maybe we'll wear it the next couple road
1: trips. All right. Those are clean. Those are clean. Full whites. Well, it you know, makes it nice to do. I mean,
5: not, to, not that I ever make decisions based on my workload, but, like, it's playing on turf. That's nice. It's not grass. Um, so, there shouldn't be a whole lot of staining on there, but that's a bonus. I get I get lucky every now and then.
1: <laughs> That JP, helps for sure. Yes.
3: First of all, there's no other reason to make a decision other than helping your workload. B, I want to ask Jimmy, would there ever be a case where you just got sort of passive aggressive? The other team wanted to wear white. You show up on the road and say, oh, well, all we've got is our white jersey. I and mean, how much trouble would you be in? Have you ever thought about that? Just sort of forcing their hand with that.
5: Um, no, there, we, there's a lot of coordination that goes on. So that doesn't happen. Um, it's probably been about 10 years, maybe even longer, longer ago than that, that there was an incident where somebody showed up, um, had the wrong uniform and the visit, they were the visiting team. Obviously they didn't have another set. So the home team had to change what color they were going to wear since they were actually at home. Um. But like I say, I coordinate with their equipment guy just to double check, the league sends us a grid as soon as everybody declares. So we know well in advance uh, what we're supposed to wear. Uh, college, you can get a little bit more tricky on that, but with the NFL, we've got so many rules and regulations and I'm sure somebody will get fired if, if they were to do that, or at least fine very heavily. <laughs> Last thing right. I wanna yeah, do is
1: call or- uh, us to lose a draft pick. Oh yeah, that would not be good for, for anybody's health. Um, all right, hey, the white on white this week, the Jags and the Bengals coming up. Jimmy, well done as always. Let's get a W from the banks of the Ohio River. How about it? All right, appreciate it. I'll bring back some Skyline. Jimmy? Oh, yeah, perfect. I was going to ask for that, too. Uh, Montgomery in Ribs. Bring a rack of those back with you, too. That'd be nice. Uh, back, back in a moment, we'll uh, get into our big game Jaguar of the week. We'll pick... Uh, Jaguars to have big games this Sunday, and it's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network.
4: You can step up to luxury now. Hello, I'm Dan Fields. Whatever you're driving, you can step up to luxury now. Plus, get our Fields amenities, which include complimentary loaners, car washes, and our cafes. Make this your year to step up to luxury at Fields Cadillac, Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Land Rover, Jaguar, and Lexus. When it comes to the ultimate car buying experience, there's only one name that matters, Fields. And Fields matters because you matter. The Fields Auto Group, proud partners of your Jacksonville Jaguars.
0: Jaguars fans, game day is back and while it might look a little different this year, the good times, smooth drinks, and tailgate excitement will never change when you're cheering on the Jags with Jameson. So pull up a seat, pour a smooth Jameson ginger and lime and enjoy game day with Jameson. Taste responsibly, Jameson Irish whiskey. 40% alcohol by volume, 80 proof. Product of Ireland, copyright 2020. Imported by John Jameson Import Company, New York, New York.
4: Committed to the team, committed to the mission. At Navy Mutual, we're committed to providing high quality life insurance to members of the military and their families. So our policies have no fine print and no military service restrictions. We don't work on commission, we're nonprofit. So we pass the savings along to our members because at Navy Mutual, our highest commitment is to you. Visit NavyMutual.org. Navy Mutual, ensuring those
1: who serve. Welcome back Jaguars Happy Hour, brought to you by Fields Cadillac of Jacksonville and Fields Cadillac St. Augustine, members of the Fields Auto Group. And the Jags have introduced Jags at Home this year, an interactive second screen experience on Jags game days featuring Ashland Sullivan and Eric Dunn. Each Sunday, you'll have the chance to win $10,000 in cash and prizes. They divvy it out at the end of each quarter. Visit jagsathome.com. And uh, you can check it out there. Enter to win and, and join them each Sunday. They, they uh, go on air about 15 minutes before kickoff at JagsAtHome.com. J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, John Oser, Jaguars Happy Hour continues. A quick scouts view, Bucky, from, thir- or, uh, from Monday night. Uh, my days are all messed up after Thursday Night Football last week. From Monday night uh, is the best game, I think, the best matchup that we had of any game going into the uh, any game this season so far in the NFL Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes just put on another show I think a lot of people picked the Ravens in that game I think the whole ESPN pregame crew picked the Ravens to win in that game but Patrick Mahomes does what Patrick Mahomes does another four touchdown game and it's 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 becoming difficult to find adjectives to describe his play. He's he's that good. He's an
2: unbelievable player, uh, JP. I think he just continues to improve, and he's in the right situation. He has a great quarterback developer in Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy as an offensive coordinator. They do creative things. They surrounded him with five-star talents all over the field: uh, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, Miko Hardman shows up, and then they draft Clyde Edwards-Alaire, which is even fair that you can have a running back who can do the things that he can do out the backfield, and so. Patrick Mahomes, the game is very, very easy for him. He has outstanding poise, poise that I think is beyond his his years of experience in the National Football League. And so he just gets it. And then when you combine all of those traits that he's displayed, leadership, intelligence, athleticism with an arm that enables him to throw the ball completely out the stadium, I don't know how you defend this offense because the play caller, the playmaker, the supporting cast is all outstanding. Man, when they talk this dynasty talk coming out about Kansas City, when you see them playing these big games, you kind of have to say, yeah, I can see it happening before in front of our eyes.
1: Yeah, they've got so many playmakers, John. And, you know, everything's going well for Mahomes. He's Super Bowl champion, the MVP of the Super Bowl, already has a regular season MVP under his belt two years ago. He's a part owner of the Kansas City Royals. He's got a huge contract in the offseason always engaged to be married now they're pregnant it's like everything's going great for Patrick Mahomes right now John
3: yeah I mean it, it's hard it's hard to find flaw I remember uh, Mitch Album, great columnist for the Detroit Free Press back in the day once wrote a column that he wanted to be Ron Darling for a day the great Mets pitcher good-looking guy attorney wouldn't anybody love to be Patrick Mahomes for a day he's got it all right there I have a I have a question for Bucky, though. Any concern on the other side about Lamar Jackson's game the other night? I know he's the MVP. Was there anything film-wise that people are going to do to mimic that, or was that just circumstantial?
2: No, I mean, I think you have to be concerned because what has happened, he's 0-3 against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Some of that is the Kansas City Chiefs just have their number. From a matchup standpoint, it's just not a great matchup for the Baltimore Ravens and how they play. On both sides of the ball. I think the thing that's concerning is concerning in terms of how Lamar Jackson responded. Steve Spagnuolo did a great job of bringing pressure and coming after him, forcing him to make quick decisions and seeing if he could be on his game. And it threw him off because most teams don't attack him like that. They read and react and they kind of let him dictate the terms The Kansas City Chiefs flipped at. Also, another thing that shows up that is concerning, Greg Roman has a tendency in these games, these big games, uh, playoffs, and whenever they play the Chiefs. He loses his his focus in terms of we are a running team. We beat people because we run the football. We pound it. And they became a very pass-centric team on Monday night, and that is not how they play. And so even when the game gets away from them early, they still need to stick to their style. I think the bigger thing that I'm concerned about is in a big game in the playoffs, which Lamar Jackson shows up, better yet, which play caller, which Greg Roman shows up, because the one that we have seen for most of the regular season the last two years didn't show up on Monday night.
1: It was a great game and certainly a great win for the Kansas City Chiefs, and they're going to be hard to slow down moving ahead. Time now for big game Jaguar. We'll pick our Jaguar players to have a big game in Cincinnati in week four. Bucky Brooks, get a score.
2: So I'm going to go with Garner Minshew. I think Garner Minshew has to bounce back. He has to get up off the mat. We saw him have an outstanding performance against the Tennessee Titans, and I, I think we want to see more of that. He has to curb the turnovers and the, the negative plays because that puts the offense in a hole. But if he just distributes the ball and just kind of plays within this offense, he's certainly good enough as a distributor to get them to the winner's circle. I mm-hmm. didn't want to see him have a big game against Cincinnati.
1: Gardner Minshew is the selection for Bucky Brooks. John Osier. who are you going with?
3: I'm going to wait for the graphic to uh, pop up because I've drawn a blank <laughs> on who I picked. Oh, okay, Eifert. I was going to go with Chark, and <laughs> I debated back and forth, and I couldn't remember who I told you I wanted. Uh, I'm going to go with Eifert for sort of the obvious reason. He's going home, Cincinnati. I, I also think that with Chark being back, the Bengals are going to guard against that. They're going to be trying to take away Chark. Frankly, Eifert right now feels like the guy who's the best option for being the second option in the offense. Chenault is going to be at some point. I don't know that he's advanced enough as a receiver to be Minshew's go-to if Chark is taken away. Eifert showed the flash with the touchdown against Tennessee. I don't really worry about the going back to Cincinnati stuff, but he's got the experience. He knows how to get open. I'm going with Tyler Eifert as the big game Jaguar. With two, count them, two touchdown receptions.
1: They were Not one, but two yeah. touchdown receptions for Tyler Eifert, says John Ogier. Uh I'm going to go with defense here, and this is a game they need on the defensive side, and it's a game for Josh Allen to really, really get in that stat column with some pass rush this week. You know, it's... It's an offensive line and an offense in Cincinnati that's given up 14 sacks, the most in the league. Eight of those were last week for the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Eagles hit him 18 times in that game. Now, mind you, obviously, the Eagles have uh, some big-time names on that defensive line. Fletcher Cox, Malik Jackson, just to name a couple of them. But they did it all day long. Now, Burrow got up, and he's a tough guy, and he's going to go through and, and, and play through that kind of thing and, and not let it rattle him. but. It feels like it was more than just a one-game situation for the Cincinnati offense. So the Jags, if they can find a way to to play a little better in the secondary, play a little tighter, it could give that front a little more time. So Josh Allen, I think, has a day. At least two sacks. Not one, but at least two sacks in the game for Josh Allen. Pressure all day on Joe Burrow. That's my selection. So Minshew for Bucky. Eifert for Osher. Allen. For Bucky, how about your final thoughts for the game? What's your feel this week?
2: Final thoughts got to come out fast. This has to be an opportunity for them to lick their wounds. They were embarrassed on Thursday night. I would expect to see a much better effort from the Jaguars. Maybe it was a case where they were taking the, the Miami Dolphins lightly. I think the Cincinnati Bengals get their full attention. And because of that, I think we see the Jaguars play their best game today.
1: Are you calling a win, Bucky? This is This a lock.
2: I guarantee. I can't take Charles Barkley's thing, but I guarantee you dub this week.
1: <laughs> okay, back to two and two, Johnny two. O. What's your feel? Two and two. <laughs> you
3: know, I I, uh, I think they'll play better. I think they'll play well enough to win. And it's going to sound crazy because the Bengals were what one and fifteen last year, struggling. But the Bengals side of it scares me for the Jaguars. I mean, I think the Jaguars could play better. And this Bengals team feels ready. I, I, I'm going to pick the Jags because I don't want to argue with Bucky. He's kind of got the, <laughs> he's kind of got the muscle on this show. But it, it worries me that it feels like the Bengals are about to break out. The Jaguars could play well and still not win this game. And I'm going to go with the Jags, 37-34. to 34.
1: Ooh. Oh, a lot of scoring in the game for
2: uh, Johnny oh, O. The defense does um, Defense, <laughs> the defense oh, is not quite ready to show back up, huh? But, okay, we'll take the win though, John.
3: 37-34 with a game defensive effort.
1: Okay, I like that. It, in moments <laughs> when they need it, they'll come and play defense, uh, according to John Ozier. I like it. So, uh, there you have it. That'll do It's a lock for Bucky Brooks. It's a lock for Johnny O. Uh, the Jags going on the road this week to face the Cincinnati Bengals. Bucky, we will talk to you in the postgame after the game this Sunday. Looking forward to it. All right, John, we will talk to you the rest of the week and again on Sunday (laughs) as well. And look forward to your Lucky you, JP. Uh,
3: All of us, in
1: fact. For Bucky Brooks, John Ogier, our entire Jaguars Happy Hour crew, I'm JP Shadrick. Thank you for watching. The Jags and the Bengals coming up Sunday at 1 o'clock at Paul Brown Stadium in Cincinnati. And this is Jaguars Happy Hour presented by the Fields Auto Group on the Jaguars Digital Network.